Welcome to Into the Future Of. I'm your host, Ben Meisner, and in this episode, we're headed on an imaginative journey into the future of drones. I'm here with Paris Kokonos, the founder and CEO at Sphere Drones, one of Australia's leading drone retailers and service providers. Paris, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Ben. It's nice to be here. Paris, what was the state of drone technology when you launched Sphere Drones almost 10 years ago and what inspired you to create the company? So it's um it's quite a funny story as to how this has all unfolded, but um, I used to fly model helicopters and airplanes when I was a little kid. So on a Sunday, I'd fly them with my dad um, at the flying field. Um, and for those that know Sydney and Maroubra Beach, there's a big open parkland over there. And I'd fly them on the Sunday, crash them on the Sunday, and then take them to my grandfather's workshop and fix them during the week. So in terms of what got me inspired, it was very much that was the, the humble beginning. Um, but really, it was an opportunity in and amongst um the commercial side of things where we had a an opportunity to redesign a website um and fundamentally i redesigned a website and i said dad hey i think there's a bit of an opportunity with drones and before you knew it i had purchased five drones for ten thousand dollars and sold them for 15 and i was only 19 years old so wow. it was um quite an interesting um foundation right, when we start talking about you know what was the state of the drones in back then um, you're talking very much model helicopter-esque type things, or things that you buy from Kmart or, you know, the JB Hi-Fis, and they would only fly for four minutes, five minutes maximum. But things have come quite far today. So where are things today with drones? What what type of things do they do? can they do? Um, so I guess drones, as they stand, they're, they're used in um, a lot of in interesting industries. Um, so, you know, from agriculture to construction to mining, they're, they're kind of being used a range, around a range of different applications. But, you know, the, the biggest thing that we're noticing at the moment is there's a lot of organisations that are finding commercial appetite for them um, and augmenting um, current experiences and current engagements. And yeah, if we look at what the consumer looks like, people are using on their holidays, you've got real estate being thrown into the mix there. But for us as a business, we really focus on that commercial setting. I could probably add a lot more to the commercial understanding of how drones are used, definitely. So what kind of industries use them in the commercial? That's real estate. What else? Yeah, so I guess real estate's like the first and obvious one that, you know, when you're around your friends at the pub you're talking about, but um, it quite quickly turns into industries such as mining. Um, and you think about the entire mining process and how the mining process is utilising these technologies. You've got um, stockpile management, so how much inventory at any one point in time a commercial um, mining operation has um, on the ground. You've got, you know, making sure that all their assets on the ground are, are well-maintained and, and running in an optimal state. So checking the bearings, checking um, and inspecting that there's no rust or any sort of defects that are on site. Um, but that's just like mining as a snapshot. But you have a look at agriculture. Agriculture is probably the one of the most exciting industries that are out there at the moment. And okay. it's very much a, uh, a, a unique case because, as I said, back when I was when I started the business in 2014, 2013, drones could only fly for four minutes. Now today they're at 50, to, 50 minutes to an hour. Slide forward to the back end of this decade, you'll be looking at five, six hours. So the appetite for agriculture um, becomes a lot more accessible, seeing as though like our 
Australia as it stands right now today, mm-hmm. our landmass is the best part of 55% is agribusinesses, right? So we're traveling a long way and, and farmers are using them for the, the likes of mustering, the likes of checking fence lines, water troughs, hay feeders, and a range of different security tasks, just making sure that their their livestock isn't even getting stolen. So that's just like one example. Yes, and that 50-minute to one-hour limit that we're currently facing, is that down to battery life? Yeah. So all it, comes down to battery life? Or? Yeah, it all comes back down to battery life, right? So, um, you know, if we roll back to when we had our Nokia mobile phones in our hands, they didn't last all that long. But, you know, iPhones today are progressing in terms of how long they can last. I just picked a new one up the other day. It was like, it's a story in itself. I dropped it in the water. Um, <laughs> but th- these technologies are all adopting this same platform of tech. And what we're noticing is, yeah, the battery tech is becoming um, better. And do drones use the same batteries as, say, an electric car? Or is it a different type of battery? Yeah. Yeah, so battery is just one source. You've got hydrogen drones out there as well, which are new to market. But from a risk and safety perspective, introducing hydrogen into the operation, it's quite new. Um, but yeah, fundamentally, lithium-ion batteries and lithium-polymer batteries are the batteries that we see in our cars. And yeah, pretty much using that same format of batteries, what we're seeing in our... Excellent. And... Other than battery life, what other limitations do you see on drones from technology or anything else in a commercial or a personal setting? Yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest and the most obvious, or might not necessarily be the most obvious one, is it's very much like the regulation. You know, credit where due, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority here in Australia and air services are, are facing a battle because it, these drones are being adopted to the masses. As it stands, there's 30,000 commercial drones operating here locally in Australia, but, you know, that's just commercial. What What's the adoption rate of the consumer market? I, I personally believe there's a, upwards of fifty to 70,000 drones that are flying in our community um, as it stands from a commu- consumer and commercial. So you start talking about you know, how many cars are driving on our roads and now we've got these things that are, you know, operated by every man and their dog, so to speak. Um, it's It starts becoming quite a challenge and that's where, you know, the limitations are around regulation and, and the landscape of flying 30 metres between people, places and buildings, like just something that is so important to maintain as a, as a mm-hmm. consumer and a commercial operator. But as you get into that commercial setting, the regulations very much stipulate a, a much more... Um, flexible, um, but also stringent um, set of rules. All right. So do you think that AI tools like ChatGPT or anything like that are going to have a role to play in the drone industry? Or do you think that's a way off before that that type of technology will be involved? Yeah, I guess um, AI tools full stop are quite a... um, AI is quite a bullish term to throw around in, in mm-hmm. our community today and ChatGPT just really sets the format for it, but it's actually quite powerful to see what it is able to do um, in and amongst the, the utilisation of technology. We've got this theme that we, we speak to within our business called the tip and queue, right? And what's the tip and queue? It's like you used to play tip with your friends in, in the backyard at your school, so you, you pass the tip on and you that, that other person's in and it's about passing the tip of, say, for example, a GPS point to a drone to go and inspect a specific thing and it automatically maps that path. And what we're seeing is we're, we're, we're transversing between manually operated drones, so someone 
operating these things to autonomously operating and autonomously drawing their flight lines. So where we are today, these AI tools are quite powerful. Not only the drones have got them inside and built in, you've got, um, you very much have, you know, obstacle avoidances and AI tools. So seeing what's around you and, and, and moving around, we're working on a mustering project at the moment. Um, and, and big bulls can be quite bullish, um, and they'll charge at a drone if you're not careful, but it's like how you're recognizing, um, those sorts of things and it's through AI that can, um, present that. But, you know, just like the, we've got a product called Nero and Nero is a water sampler. Um, the, the, the value of what an AI tool could do to that is, um, you know, you, you tip it off and we've talked about tipping Q before, mm-hmm. what is the water quality in pond four or um you know mining setting what is the volume of um the stockpile in yard two and then drone tips off goes and does that task calculates the metrics brings it back but you know that's what we see like as a preventative type action what you want is you want these technologies to get into a bit more of a um, cognitive fashion instead of requesting it it's actually just giving it to you our world around us is just consumed by all these uh, data points and it's about augmenting and presenting them in a, in a consumable way to the consumer um, so to speak so the, instead of me asking the, the drone to go and inspect pond four it's it's saying hey we're just letting you know that the water levels across paddock five and four are quite low action required or hey you've got five cubics in stockpile three for example so it's it's these tools that are allowing and, and augmenting um those things. But yeah, application of AI in this industry is very much here and very much present. I'm glad to hear that. So what might if there are autonomous drones in the future that take on more and more of this AI technology, what opportunities and challenges may suddenly be presented? Or do you see that if the safeguards are put in place, the the challenges should be kept limited? Yes, I think um, at the end of the day, we want out. We want to have we as a community. It's it's we're in an interesting state right now where you've got these robotic technologies coming and displacing people from their jobs, um, and straight away you, you you have a conversation with someone. But yeah, but you're removing someone's job. It's like, well, why why have we got in a mining environment a surveyor flying a drone? A surveyor's skill set. They studied for five years at university to survey, but hey, they're flying a drone. Why is that? Let's actually take that useful skill and apply it to analyzing the data that the drone consumes. And it's not about displacing, it's about augmenting the current um, psychological experiences. And I think that is probably the the biggest challenge at present is that as we stand um, right now is that these drone technologies are really challenging the way we've traditionally done things. And in amongst a keynote that I presented last week, I I challenged a a bunch of farmers in, in a in a room, there's 2,000 of them. I said, I want everyone to think about what a farmerless farm looks like and whether they think it's very much possible. And obviously there's, there's a big uplift in the crowd, but it was a, it's, it's quite an opportunistic time for the younger generations of um, these farm farm landowners where, you know, they traditionally probably weren't even thinking about working on the farm or working on the land. But now it's like they can actually turn um, farming into a lot more of an attractive a lot more of an attractive industry so to speak so it's it really like we've got this 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 shift in the psychology of what the people um understand of drones and this is where obviously these technologies are real enablers for industry and consumers as well so farming almost becomes farmville where you just sit in front of your computer and and move around the drones and 
very very much show and i could show you right now today how that is going to happen um you obviously still need the the human intervention in it because there's a history of um making the right decisions based on the land and what's going on but it's about it's about really utilizing that person to the best of their ability and if we have a look at the farming just like the farming use case in itself a farmer that has more than one farm spends 500 kilometers on the road a week in an accounting framework that's the best part of two dollars per kilometer so you know you're talking a thousand dollars a week fifty two thousand dollars a year but it's not about the money let's say it's about the 78 days that he spends in his car traveling between properties that could be easily augmented with a drone in a box that actually sends him his report at 7 p.m every night makes you think it does I understand that there has been progress in the development of heavy lift drones, but that there are still limitations with that in terms of how much they can carry and for how far. How do you see this may evolve in the future? Yeah, I guess um, the evolution of regulation, you know, the categories of licenses. So just like, you know, we've got licenses to drive cars, buses, um ride motorcycles and there's different license categories drones have the same thing because so the regulation is um definitely one part of it but now when we start getting to heavy lift and even ev tolls and um people moving vehicles you start working with the concept of integrating airspaces so you know you've got helicopters that are flying around you've got manned aviation that's flying around but then you've got all of a sudden this new beast that's coming into the airspace which is drones it's all about how we're communicating with not only the manned aircraft, the drones, the helicopters that are flying around, um, the people that are interfacing with them. So, you know, in terms of in terms of limitations, is like the limit. The sky is the limit. Quite funny enough, if you're going to really like bring a um, a pun into the drone space, but you know, the limitations really are around how the the sky is augmenting and how the sky is coming together to integrate. Um, but really like as time progresses, batteries are going to last longer. We can fly for further. We can lift more and yeah, very much we're in an interesting landscape where drones are evolving quite rapidly and they are performing some pretty interesting tasks. And what is the technology that determines the weight that can be carried? Like what technology, what technological advances are required to carry say a human or something heavy? Yeah, so I guess it, it comes back down to fuel source and, and sustaining that. If you have a look at those traditional fuel sources that are um, falling into the manned aviation space, so you know, you've got Avgas, for example, that are powering it, but now you've got organisations that are really pushing into the sustainable aviation fuels um, landscape. So I guess the, the things that are determining um, those sorts of passenger carrying vehicles you could say is a the fuel type and how we're operating those things but then are they semi-autonomous or are they like taxi type engagements because if they're taxis they're pretty much helicopters but if they're autonomous they're more drones so it comes back down to what's the mode of transport and how that's happening um and i also feel that another thing is like where are, what's our infrastructure look like in our community um you know our community is very much laid out in a um in a traditional way and you know heliports and very ports and all these sorts of landing facilities for these technologies haven't necessarily been built yet 
So I think that's a bit of a challenge as well when we start looking at um, the vertical takeoff mark and passenger moving um, things. But the scary thing is, is that drones are the things that are seeding that emotional and psychological um, viewpoint of the everyday person. So, And do you think drone has a negative connotation in the everyday person's mind or a positive one? Um, it all comes back down to who you are and, and what your exposure is to it. Anyone that's had a bad experience with something doesn't necessarily have the most um, positive mindset on something. But, you know, for our business, we're really trying to push that positive advocacy of the technology because it can really change lives. You know, a farmer no longer can spend 78 days with his wife holding a cup of coffee instead of sitting in a car listening to the radio. You tell me what you want to do, but... Like, I, you know, for me, I very much want to be sitting on the couch and be watch, getting my report at 7 p.m. So it can very much change people's lives. Absolutely. Where is the drone as a service industry at right now and how might that evolve? Yeah, so I guess when we talk drone as a service, our business model is a one fee covers you, that 7 p.m. report. When we talk as drone as a service, as a taxi service or a passenger carrier, you're paying a peer-to-peer fee. And fundamentally, that's like an airline fee, right? So it's like aviation as a service is the same thing. But I guess when we start looking at drones as a service, as a native um, type engagement, like our business has a business model that fundamentally would take care of all the administrative paperwork for a single fee every month or every quarter or every year. Um, and you'll get your photos of what you need. You'll get the videos of what you need. You'll get the sample of what you need. Um, so that as a service model is very interesting. Um, it is here today and here right now, but, um, you know, everyone wants to get into a reoccurring revenue model sooner rather than later. So there's interesting things going on there. Mm-hmm. So what do you think drones might be capable of fulfilling in 20 years from today? That's a that's a great question. We've we've I've been in the game for ten years, and and thinking about what twenty years looks like is quite scary. Yeah. Um, How about ten? Yeah. So so in the next in the next decade, I feel we're going to see mineless mines, farmless farms, um, and various technologies working together. You're going to have manned aviation. You're going to have drones. You're going to have um, your John Deere's that are operating on a Farm, all communicating to each other, capturing so much data, and will fundamentally be a lot smarter, especially with the likes of ChatGPT. There's been two releases in the last six months, I think, and you know, you, you reflect on what Elon Musk put out earlier this week. Is everyone needs to slow down a little bit um, because you know, ten years is quite hard to foresee as to what's going on. But I really do believe that the likes of satellite will start to influence drone activity on the ground. Um, the appetite of drones might not even be there in the future, but really it's all about like interoperable, ubiquitous, fully integrated operations that, you know, an organization's asset, you can understand where it was five years ago to where it was today and where it foresees itself to be in the next five years based on trends and all sorts of data sources. That's Paris Kokonos, founder and CEO at Sphere Drones. Paris, thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Loved it. Cheers. Me too.